What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Cigar Store Idiots. I am Rob. I am not solo today. I actually have Chief Chiba with me. Chief Chiba's sitting over there. Uh, we've we've kind of neglected Chief the past few episodes, and I apologize to you, Chief. Uh, and you can stop staring at me and looking at me like that because it's um, it's kind of freaking me out. So, but it's good to have you, Chief. Tyler and Andrew will not be here with us today. Today's episode is sponsored by Ray's Energy Drinks. Everybody knows that the Cigar Store Idiots podcast is fueled on Ray's, Ray's Energy. And also, like to give a shout out to Caleb Holloway Insurance. If you guys go to www.cigarstoreidiots.com, click on the link with advertising Caleb Holloway Insurance. You're one quick click and quote away from saving some serious money on your auto and homeowner's insurance. So go check that out. Go check out Caleb and uh, see if you can save some money. I hope you guys enjoy the last episode we did, a uh, little mini episode we did. I'm still recovering from a from a kidney stone procedure. So uh, we're all good there, other than I just have a garden hose in my bladder, and it's uh, it's probably the worst thing ever in the whole wide world, but I'm going to make it. Uh, we did an episode on Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights is a movie that was uh, loosely based off of the life of John Holmes, it only touched on a little bit of John Holmes, but there was a lot more to this guy. Um, and I'd mentioned the Wonderland murders in that episode, and I said we would do a podcast on it. And that's what we're going to do today. We're just going to do a mini on uh, on the Wonderland murders. So, um, you guys, I, I appreciate you coming in and listening to it. And uh, let's just get into it. Um, the drug house on Wonderland Avenue was high above the Sunset Strip, up in the Hollywood Hills, up in Laurel Canyon. And it was notorious for hosting the dark seedy side of uh, of the LA's up and comers. So you were either infamous or you were famous. Uh, that's where you probably were. So the house, uh, it was a it was a big drug house, a big party house, and so that's kind of where folks would go in that area. Um, it belonged. Uh, the occupants in this house was a Wonderland gang. They were L.A.'s most notorious and successful Coke dealers back in the 70s. Um, so if you were in L.A. and you were doing Coke back in the 70s, you chances are you probably, it probably came from these guys. So um, these guys sold a lot of drugs. Heroin was uh, Cocaine and heroin was the two main uh, things that they brought in money with. Uh, they also made money off of robbing and stealing from their rival um, drug dealers. And... One night, they decided to rob and steal from a competitor, a rival, and it backfired on them. And it ended up with four people dead. They were beaten and bludgeoned to death. Um, I mean, they, their heads were bashed in, blood everywhere, unrecognizable, just just beat to a pulp. Um, and the the murders were so so horrific that they actually rivaled uh, the Tate and LaBianca Manson murders. So, I mean, just another black eye in Hollywood. Uh, terrible things that happened there. So, wasn't always, it's not always glitz and glam, dude. There's always there's something bad going on everywhere you go, So, uh, especially up in Hollywood. So, the house was actually leased to uh, Joy Miller. And Joy, actually, she was a, she was like a rich, 
she she lived up in Beverly Hills. She was married and was rich, you know, to a successful guy. And she got tied in with the drug dealers with the Wonderland gang because she was a heroin user. So she was a heroin addict. Uh, so she left the lavish lifestyle of Beverly Hills and she she went and leased this place up on Laurel, in Laurel Canyon on at Wonderland. Um, she had a boyfriend. His name is uh, Billy Deverell. He's uh, he's the gang's uh, second in command. Um, you know, and he was a reluctant criminal. They he, they would kind of describe him as a reluctant criminal who also had a, a heroin a history of heroin abuse and um, a criminal record. So it kept him from actually finding a good job or holding down a job. So he just stuck to his life of crime. Um, the number one in command was Ron Lonius, and I hope I say that name correctly. Uh, I'm, I'm notorious for saying names wrong. Uh, Ron Lonius, he was a he was a cold blooded killer. He was uh, the king of Wonderland, and he made he caught all the shots. He was he was just very cold blooded. Um, he had actually made a name for himself when he was in Vietnam. He was dishonorably discharged from the army because he was smuggling drugs back in the bodies of uh, dead U.S. servicemen. So he's he's a real piece of shit. Um, he had already spent some time in jail for smuggling. He actually uh, was on trial for uh, murder for life. He had been life imprisonment, um, but the star witness was accidentally, quote unquote, accidentally uh, killed in an accident. So the police didn't have enough, uh, and they lost their chance to put him in put him in prison. Then, um, and by the summer of 1981, he actually was a person of interest in over two dozen homicides. So he was a bad dude. Uh, he had a wife named Susan. Uh, she also lived at the Wonderland house. She was a drug dealer or drug user as well. Um, and uh, she kind of kept herself absent from uh, the gang activity. So she she wasn't she wasn't so involved with with all the criminal aspects of it. she was just there doing drugs. So um, and uh, the most popular unusual member of Wonderland was, of course, it was John Holmes. Uh, he was a famous uh, adult uh, film star. Um, and he was found at the Wonderland house, uh, there to mooch, mooching drugs, cocaine off of the gang. Uh, you know, either he was buying it or he was mooching it off of them. So, um, so what that, what had happened was the Wonderland guy, the gang had some, uh, antique firearms, some guns, and they wanted to sell these guns. And, uh, John Holmes knew, of a bit, uh, he was this guy was notorious. He was a he was a club owner in L.A. and his name was Eddie Nash. And John was going to take the the guns to sell to Eddie. Uh, to from he was going to take the Wonderland Gang's antique guns and sell them to Eddie Nash. And he was going to bring back money, which they were going to give John cocaine to go do this. You know, because he's he's basically at the end of his 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 porn career and his life. Because you know, of course, he died with AIDS not too long after this, but. Um, he went there, he sold the guns and he brought the money back. Uh, the Wonderland gang was upset with him because they didn't, he didn't get what they asked for the guns. And he tried to explain to him, this is all he would give us. So they ended up throwing homes out. They was mad. They threw him out because, you know, they felt like he could have got more money for the guns. Well, Holmes is, is addicted to cocaine. And he's like, he, he's, he's trying to figure out any way he can to get some money, to get some drugs. So he explains to them how much money Eddie Nash has in his house. Like he's like, he's got all these drugs. He's got, you know, he's got cash. Uh, and so the Wonderland gang's thinking it's going to be an easy, easy uh, score. They're going to go in, um, they're going to rob Eddie Nash and they're going to take everything he's got. 
and they're out of there. Well, Eddie, Eddie Nash is a bad motherfucker. You don't, you don't mess with people like this. So they actually went in. Uh, Lonius and Deverell disguised themselves as police officers. They brought in two other members, uh, David Lynn and Tracy McCourt. Uh, they handcuffed Eddie Nash and uh, his bodyguard, Gregory Dials. They beat him, humiliated him, pistol whipped him, uh, and they and they did. They they stole everything that was there. They got it. Like John Holmes even told him where the safe, where he kept his safe, and he kept everything. So they go in and they they handcuff him, beat him. During a skirmish, uh, actually, uh, David Lynn actually uh, accidentally shoots. Um, he shoots uh, Gregory Dials. He shoots the bodyguard. He doesn't kill him. He just injures him. So. After this, they go back to the Wonderland house. They take a look, and, and man, they've walked away with one point million, one point two million in illegal drugs, cash, jewelry, and those antique guns and other guns, um, which was stupid because they stole the guns that they just sold this man. So you know this man's gonna know, hey, you know, because he just knows. I mean, this is he's criminal. There's criminals. Um, they. Nash called the police. He couldn't, he couldn't put a finger on the other guys that was in the house. He didn't know any of the people that was in the house. But on the top of the list of the people that he, he said, which was not there, was John Holmes. And he said that John Holmes had, had everything to do with it, and that he was responsible for all of it. And the reason he felt so is because that morning, John had came to Eddie Nash's house three different times. He just kept coming, coming by three different times. So they figured in, in that time what had happened was Holmes had actually unlocked the patio door. So that would that would secure an entry, an easy an easy access point, an easy entry for for the Wonderland gang to get in there and do what they did. So so they the, the thought process was John came over, he unlocked the door, and then that, that way those guys are in the house and they're 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 handcuffing people, beating people and robbing Eddie Nash. Uh, Scott Thornson was, uh, he was the former lover of Liberace. He was also present at Eddie Nash's house. Uh, and he, he was convinced as well that John Holmes was, was, uh, the ringleader in this thing. And that, uh, what they did is they actually tracked John Holmes down and they beat him. Uh, the wonder, the Eddie Nash's guys tracked John Holmes down and they beat him. They just beat him senseless until he, uh, until he started giving them the names of the people that actually came in and done what they did. Um, so, so here we go. This is what happens. So four o'clock on July the 1st, the police receive a phone call and it's a panic phone call from some furniture movers. And, uh, they said they had been working to the house, been uh, moving furniture and working at the house next to, um, you know, 8763 Wonderland. And they've been hearing all these desperate pains and moans coming from the drug house. I mean, that was known as the drug house. So when the police get there, they, the investigators and the police get there and they find this horrible scene. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just complete, just chaos. Um, uh, the body of Barbara Butterfly Richardson, which was David Lynn's girlfriend, was lying on the couch. Um, she had been sleeping on and she was covered in blood. And they found Joy Miller. Uh, they found her, her dead body. Um, while David Varel, uh, Deverell's body was slumped at her feet, uh, leaning against the TV stand, and a bloody hammer was tangled up in Miller's sheets, uh, and several metal pops were laying around in the floor. 
um, in the neighboring bedroom. They went to run uh, Lonnie's, uh, uh, dead. He was dead. He was beaten to death. He was unrecognizable. They beat him so bad. Um, but the worst part, the most horrific part of it was Ron's wife, Susan. They found her covered, uh, covered in blood in a floor in a bedroom. Uh, and she had her skull bashed in like her skull was completely bashed in. But the crazy thing was she was still alive and the moans that the moving company had been hearing was coming from her and she survived the attack, um, and made a full recovery. Um, but she had extensive brain damage and she sustained, uh, you know, through this getting beat with hammers and lead pops, she had permanent amnesia and she was unable to recall any of the events that happened at the Wonderland murder. So, so she was beaten so bad that she lost her, her memory. Like she lost her memory. She was beaten with a lead pipe or a hammer so bad. Her skull was crushed and she laid there for 12 hours, 12 hours and lived. She lived with her brain, with her brain beat in. Uh, you kind of wonder if she, if she remembered and she just didn't want to tell cause she was afraid something's going to happen to her. Or she just really had had her brains beat out. I don't know. So, uh, I mean, could you imagine? Could you imagine that? I mean, uh, could you imagine the people that could do something like that? Um, the police started interviewing neighbors in in the area, and they said that at about three in the morning, they heard all, you know they heard a lot of screams, uh, heard a lot of things that was going on, but the house was always so disruptive and loud, and had so much stuff going on there. Uh, the neighbors just didn't even call the cops. I mean, they're just like, oh, they're throwing another wild-ass party over there. <laughs> Wrong. They're people getting beat to death. Um, I, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, just go back to laying in a floor with your brains beat in and and surviving, living with a broken skull for more than 12 hours, you know, and still living and still making it. So the investigators, they start trying to piece everything together. I mean, it's just so much going on there. They're trying to piece everything together. So there's a bloody handprint. On the headboard over Ron uh, Larnus's head, um, the bloody handprint belonged to John Holmes. Okay, so he was charged with four counts of murder. Okay, here we go. Here's the crazy part. The prosecution argued that Ron had retaliated against the Wonderland gang because they felt like when he didn't see John thought when he got these the Wonderland gang into Eddie Nash's. And they robbed Eddie Nash. John thought he was going to get this windfall of drugs and this windfall of money. I mean, there was $1.2 million worth of stuff there. They gave him nothing. They gave him nothing. So John went back to, to Eddie and, and Eddie told, Hey, I know who did this to you. You know, um, you know, even after they beat him, you know, John was trying to get even with these guys. So, um, they threw it out. Uh, the, they threw it out. They said that John Holmes, uh, you know, that it just, it, it just doesn't seem, it didn't seem like he, he was caught in a crossfire that he wasn't really the main culprit in this thing. If you think about it, he really was, he, he fired this whole thing off. He, he started this whole shit storm. So, um, so they bribed him with, they bribed John Holmes with drugs to go to Eddie Nash's to unlock it. They go in, they rob Eddie Nash, which immediately makes him a target, uh, makes John Holmes a target to Eddie Nash. Um, so, I mean, he is the one that told him about, you know, told him about where all this stuff was. He's the one that went over there and unlocked the door to let them all in. 
when he didn't get what he wanted out of it, when John Holmes didn't get what he wanted out of it, he went and helped them beat these people to death. I mean, so it's, it's insane. Um, he did, however, he, uh, John Holmes did end up serving 110 days in court for contempt. That's all. So now the attention is turned on. We've got four dead people. John Holmes didn't do it. Who did it? So now the attention is turned to Eddie Nash. Eddie Nash is the suspect. He's in a, um, he's going to murder that gang for revenge, uh, in the, and stealing his drugs. So it's revenge. He's just a revenge murder. Um, Eddie Nash actually said that he sent his guys to Wonderland and he sent his guys there to recover his things. That was what was his, which I think is ironic as hell is he's actually got the police involved to try to arrest people in the beginning. He tried to get these people arrested for stealing his drugs and his drug money. He called the police in on this. So it just, it blows my mind. So, um, Eddie Nash actually was, uh, he, he was acquitted. Um, he was not charged with the murders, the Wonderland murders. Um, he, it was a hung jury. There was one juror that stood between Eddie Nash and a guilty verdict and the guilt and the, and the juror said not guilty. And then, uh, he walked free. He got away with it. They all got away with it. There's dead people everywhere and they all got away with it. So, um, you know, back and and then later on in 2000, uh, Eddie Nash, he, uh, he caught a charge for drug trafficking and money laundering, but as a part of his pre his plea deal, he actually admitted to having to bribe that single juror who said not guilty in his original trial to get him out of, uh, you know, get him out of, uh, of a murder rap. So, but that was, that was part of his plea deal. So, um, you know, it's such a wild story and it's every, it's just with the, with the people that's involved with it and how it all played out. And, uh, you know, today it's, uh, the Hollywood, you know, the Wonderland killings, remember the Hollywood, it's just one of the gruesome moments. It's a horror story with images, uh, that continue to haunt Hollywood, uh, even long after the bodies were buried. I mean, people are still talking about this thing. So, uh, so that's the Wonderland murders. There's a movie called Wonderland. Uh, you know, I'm a movie, a movie buff. So Val Kilmer plays John Holmes. This is a great movie. So if you haven't seen Wonderland, uh, please watch that movie. It's actually really, really good. It goes into the story of it. It's pretty well, it's pretty well written. It's a good, it's a good movie. So if you haven't seen it, Wonderland with John Holmes. I mean, I'm sorry, Val Kilmer playing John Holmes. I actually think it's one of Val Kilmer's better movies. So, um, you know, Again, thank you guys for coming in and listening to uh, a little mini episode we did uh, that we're doing. Uh, we'll try to get back on track again coming soon. We've got another uh, podcast scheduled with Brian. We're trying to get done this week. An interesting story about Santa Claus that I don't even know. So I'm I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty curious about it. So um, until then, everybody uh, take care, and uh, we'll talk with you soon. Like an old time movie About a ghost from a wishing well In a castle dark Or a fortress strong With chains upon my feet You know that ghost is me And I will never
set free As long as I'm a ghost You can't see If I could read your mind, love What a tale your thoughts could tell 